Happy New Year. This is the Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas. Should you murder me, remember you murder your sister. Mary Queen of Scots sees the most in-demand actors in Hollywood right now. Margot Robbie and Saoirse Ronan star as rival queens. This is not a cartoon. This is the real world. Glass is the third in a trilogy you didn't know was a trilogy. From occasional master of suspense, M. Night Shyamalan. Out there, beyond the sunset, lies the home of the dragon. How to Train Your Dragon is back for those who still don't know. Why is she growling? That wasn't in the classes. I got nothing for that. Mark Wahlberg and Rose Byrne foster three kids in instant family. There'll be a storm soon. And Storm Boy is the remake of the 1976 Aussie film based on that book we've all read about the pelican. I think his name is Percy. Percival. Ah, Percival. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Kyron Wheatley and I've seen heaps of movies, but none of those. Luckily, Vary McIntyre and Michael Campbell hello. both have. As always, we have a Village Cinema's Gold Class Double Pass a little later on. We've got a few films to get through today. Let's split them into a couple of categories. Queen Elizabeth, your cousin Mary has returned to take up her throne in Scotland. The Queen! My dear cousin Elizabeth, I hope we might meet in person, that I might embrace you. But ruling side by side, we must do so in harmony, not through a treaty drafted by men lesser than ourselves. Let's start with movies that probably have an M rating. And first up, the trailer to Mary, Queen of Scots really shows the movie's hand when Margot Robbie and Saoirse Ronan in full costume as Elizabeth I and Mary, Queen of Scots scream down at each other. It looks incredible. So Mary, Queen of Scots is the true story of Mary, Queen of Scots and her attempt to overthrow her cousin, Elizabeth I, as the Queen of England. So I am a huge history nerd. I did Scottish folklore for my PhD, so I'm like all up in this. I loved it. <laughs> there are some things All that, that Scottish England and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I think I turned to you before <laughs> war, this began and I was like, this is like your perfect movie. Yeah. Strong right female leads, history, Scotland, England at war. This yeah. is it. So this is based on a book by John Guy who wrote the biography of Mary Stuart and it's supposed to be the true story of it but I think he's taken some historical lies (laughs) (laughs) historical documents that he has interpreted as being true but a lot of historians have rejected for instance the meeting of Queen Elizabeth and Queen Mary that a lot of people said didn't happen but he's like oh I've read some things that maybe suggested they did or it's kind of like okay what if they did because they never proved that they didn't. (laughs) Oh, that old (laughs) defence. Well, I mean, they say never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Yeah, films are just little white lies, aren't they? Yes. So with a little bit of suspension of disbelief. A little less suspension of disbelief than, say, Bumblebee. (laughs) <laughs> uh, where a car turns into a, <laughs> yeah, a so magic you enjoy flying that. <laughs> machine. I remember reading Guy's book when I was in high school and I was like, this would be great. This is before I wanted to like be in movies and things like that. So I was like, this will make a great movie. And then they stole my idea. Yeah. <laughs> they made this movie 20 years later. You had time. Yeah, I, guess. I did. Um, but I'm glad somebody made it because I was like, I love this story. And there are so many movies about Queen Elizabeth. I was going to say. Not Hollywood's- enough about Mary Stewart. Loving queens at the moment, mm. you know, with yeah. the queen on television, the favorite, mm. the favorite yeah, we in cinemas at that. the moment. Queen Anne in the favorite. This was like three hundred years before that, when Scotland and England were still at war for independence. 
Isn't it amazing that it's 300 years, but we just whack them together? Yeah. <laughs> in the 50s and 60s, there was a boom of Westerns, and then currently it seems with comic book movies. Do you think it's like patriarchal movies about yeah. queens that's going to be the next thing? Well, maybe it's the yeah. UK trying to figure out who they are at the moment. <laughs> Go through identity <laughs> crisis. Reckless child! I have worked too long and too hard with too much bloodshed to secure peace in our land. Do not let your cursed passion rule you. Tis your voice raised, sir, and you would lower it in my presence. If my counsel no longer has value, then I am obliged to withdraw from court. So because there's all these layers, all the political layers, it covers many, many years. I think it did a good job at detailing it all in an easy to understand way. I think if they did try to cover her whole life, it'd be like a five hour movie. Like Shakespeare's War of the Roses that mm. goes for 10 days, I think, <laughs> which is about all this similar time, isn't which it? Which I wouldn't mind. Yeah. <laughs> but it does, the Plantagenet of these families does get quite complex. Is this film as complex as that family tree? It would appear to me that they ignore a lot for the simplicity of yeah. the audience. I don't know too much about this historical time period other than what they're presenting I knew the broad strokes of it and I think if they started being like actually in fun fact they're related to him and he actually overthrew this and blah blah I would start being lost I think they're like strip it away Mary Stewart they've got a tiff (laughs) for the throne that's all you need to know is there enough complexity for those two stars of Hollywood at the moment to really shine well, yeah, I think it's been, what, three weeks? So I think contractually you need to talk about uh, <laughs> Sasha Ronan. Yeah. <laughs> As we've said in every review of every movie, she's great. She's so good. And I forget sometimes how young she still is. She's like 24. Wow. She's already been nominated for Oscars. Yeah. She's been in like four movies that we've talked about on this show alone. I get confused talking about multiple movies in one podcast. I don't know how she films multiple <laughs> movies at the same time. Is it all backroom politics inside baseball sort of stuff. Yeah, look, the one gripe I did have with it, and I don't want to detract from my enjoyment of it, but because I guess I am such a nerd about the history that I'll just nitpick, which doesn't really matter, but I felt like they made the two female characters more female than they should have been. Like if this was a story about two kings, there would have been epic battles and lots of yelling, and these women do a lot of crying and needlepoint and it sort of detracted from their status of power that they should have had in the film. Hmm. And it's to show vulnerability and, and I get all that, but it just, I don't know, mm. it sort of let it down for so me. If it was a, a King bit. film, you wouldn't see much like wood whittling. Yeah. Well, here's a good there example. There is a battle in it, but it's not very big. Who should see this film? If you like the historical epics, there's kind of like now a sub-genre of like Scottish story, like Braveheart, Outlaw King, stuff like that. If that floats your boat, this one's going to fill that void. It's more about the historical aspects of it, the interpersonal relationships. It's a bit less of the big bloody battles in it. But if you like the history of it, like myself, you'll really enjoy it. The three of you have convinced yourselves you have extraordinary gifts like something out of a comic book. I specialize in those individuals who believe they are superheroes. So, M. Night Shyamalan, hit and miss. Of course, you've got the sixth (laughs) sense, but you've also got signs. Remember that? I love signs, Mel Gibson throwing water on aliens in a big empty field. You loved that, did you? I will defend that movie. What about that mermaid one? 
in the water. Exactly, that's my point. What about that mermaid one? Well, his new film, Glass, is the third part in a series that you didn't realise already had two parts. Unbreakable, in which Bruce Willis is unbreakable and is in a train crash and doesn't die and then Samuel L. Jackson pops up at the end. And Split, in which James McAvoy has split personalities and Bruce Willis pops up at the end. So, and correct me if I'm wrong, now they're all superheroes in an insane asylum? This is a complicated one. Mr. Glass teams up with Kevin with the split personalities to escape the psychiatric hospital and show the world that they do exist and David Dunn has to stop them. So M. Night Shyamalan doesn't do simple films. No. Well, and this, this is the thing. This film is a long time coming. So mm. Unbreakable, when it came out in 2000, it was like this baffling thing that someone took the idea of comic book heroes kind of seriously because that was even before... Same year as X-Men, I think. So comic book films weren't really a thing and this was taking them like dead seriously. What if Superman was a real person? That was always the pitch. And then he'd always said, I kind of imagined it as a trilogy where he becomes a superhero, you meet the villain, and then they have a battle. That's the trilogy I always imagined. Then he fell very much out of favor with movie fans and kind of disappeared. And then he snuck a sequel in to a different film, which watching it is about the birth of a villain. And he's like, oh yeah, by the way, this was the sequel I was talking about. And it, I must admit, it blew my mind in theatres because I'm a huge Unbreakable fan. Yeah, so I hadn't seen Unbreakable, but I saw Split and that was in 2016. And I'd heard rumours about, oh, is this in the same world? Like you get a lot of those movies where mm. people like have rumours about, oh, this is in the same universe and it's not confirmed until the end of the movie. Mm. Like I think it is Fantastic Beasts is rumoured to be in the Harry Potter universe. <laughs> mm, yeah, one of those. When I was a lot younger, I was a, quite a big M. Night Shyamalan fan. I used to really love The Sixth Sense. I used to really love Unbreakable. As I said before, I quite like Signs. Good on you. That's about <laughs> when it stopped. I didn't really particularly like many yep. of these other things and I, it was a bit heartbreaking to see him fall so far. And then when I was watching Split in the theatre, I remember saying, I went over to the person I was seeing it with and I said, is he good again? <laughs> What's going on? This is pretty good. And then the ending happened you realise it's all connected. Here's my one fear. I think M. Night Shyamalan works best when people aren't watching and no one's expecting much of him because Sixth Sense, no mm. one was expecting anything of. Unbreakable kind of from the Sixth Sense, you could have gone into a very Hitchcockian horror suspense vibe, but he didn't. He, he made Unbreakable instead. And now that everyone is watching him again and he, he's had another hit, I'm scared that he's going to screw it up again. And I really don't want him to because I actually love both these films. I love Unbreakable and Split I thought was really, really solid as a secret sequel that you didn't know. He needs low expectations. Yes, yes, that's the thing. And now this is quite hyped up. I'm really excited for it. And now I need to keep myself kind of in check. What do we call you, sir? First name, Mr. Last name, Glass. Well, not many of his films would be screened early. He doesn't want his secrets out. So we haven't seen this one yet. But from the trailer, I mean, I'm interested. The cinematography of Mm -hmm. it the brooding nature of Bruce Willis in the insane (laughs) asylum. Like, I think it looks quite good, but I'd say that so nervously about (laughs) our M. Yeah, it is a bit esoteric and odd. Even the character of Kevin Wendell Crumb, played by James McAvoy, who's this person who has 24 personalities and this hidden secret one called The Beast Beast that he has to release. And he does have these weird superhuman powers like he goes all muscly and his veins pop out and he can climb up ceilings and run like an animal and it's just a bit odd but because the rest of it is in reality that's where the brain kind of thinks okay so he's talking comic book 
superheroes, but not as you know them, but it's in reality if they did actually exist. And, okay, superheroes are creepy if they actually did exist. Speaking of Kevin as well, James McAvoy playing all of these different characters. and Like, what a complicated performance yeah. that must be. I remember even after Split, when the trailer for this first came out, someone said, oh, yeah, they said he had 24 personalities, more like seven. And I was like, that's still seven characters <laughs> that he played in a single movie. That's crazy. Do they all count in cinematography as different movies? <laughs> that really yeah, his IMDb page just extended exponentially. <laughs> so who should see this film? If you like stories that make you think and play with reality, like Fight Club, 12 Monkeys, it's got that sort of vibe. Yeah, or if like me, you owned the Unbreakable soundtrack when you were younger, oh. why not complete the trilogy with Glass? <laughs> this is Berk, son. It was the home of your grandparents and their grandparents before them. And I believe it's your destiny to one day find this hidden world. Next up, your kids' films, your family movies. If you've already taken them to see Mary Poppins Returns and Ralph Breaks the Internet and they're still desperate for popcorn and choc tops, well... Let's start with an animation out of the moment, How to Train Your Dragon. So this one is the third and last of the How to Train Your Dragon trilogy, The Hidden World. So Hiccup is now the chief of the village and he has to protect them from this outside evil while his friend Toothless the Dragon leaves to find a mate. Good. First question, what or who is Hiccup? (laughs) So Hiccup's the main character of the How to Train Your Dragon series. And in this one, he's now an adult and he is ruling his little village, Burke. I like how it's progressed throughout the series. In the first one, he was a child. Then he was a teenager in the last movie. And now this one, he's an adult. So the audience, like myself, has sort of like grown up with the story and the character. And I really like that progression. Harry Potter-esque. I've seen a comparison online actually with... Uh, this trilogy and the Captain America series, like it has young, skinny Captain America, and young Hiccup, Cambo oh, yeah, <laughs> and, then, and then kind of clean cut mm. adult, and then the bearded, rough, like mm. look at the end. Okay. You wouldn't think Hiccup of all characters, the kind of scrawny little boy that that learnt to train his dragon in the original one, ends up being quite the warrior king type. Yeah. <laughs> I reckon we start a leaderboard, Vari, where we put all the comparisons on. We had Punisher yep. versus Jennifer Garner's <laughs> Peppermint That's last Peppermint, week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now we've got, what did you say? Well, I, I took umbrage with uh, Spider-Man not being cool last <laughs> week. <laughs> if Grimmel succeeds, there won't be any dragons left. And it's up to us to put an end to it. So, what are you going to do about it? Suit up, gang. One shot at this. Was it always meant to be a trilogy? Yeah. We haven't seen this one. It hasn't screened yet, but it is based on the book series, and there was only three. Because it was so vastly popular, there's been a spin-off TV thing, all this merchandise for it. It's really hit this big audience, but it has been confirmed that this is the last of the stories. They're not going to do any more outside of the books, as a lot of shows and movies like to do. They're sticking with it, and even the TV spin-off, I think, is ending. It's interesting because, uh, like, you weren't really familiar with Hiccup and there's no particular reason you would be, you know, you don't have a young kid and, and whatnot. But uh, these are huge. Neither do I, but I know Hiccup. <laughs> but, like, these movies, they're, like, a huge deal. These are, like, huge money makers. Kids yeah. love them. Like you said, it even has its own TV show spinoff. Mm. This thing is, as far as, like, kids entertainment, it's, like, way up there. Even, I think, on Rotten Tomatoes, they're all in, like, the high 70 and 80% consecutively. Like, it's a really surprisingly solid film series. I do know, I guess it's a bit of stunt casting, but they actually have Kit Harrington from Game of Thrones 
in this playing a very Jon Snow-esque kind of a character, uh, which I think is like a nice little nod to parents who obviously, you know, they have to take your kids to watch How to Train Your Dragons. But they, there's obviously going to be a couple of references and allusions to more adult fantasy that might go over the kids' heads. I think it's a nice touch. Yeah, there's a lot of adults doing the voice acting that kids may not know, but we've got Kate Blanchett, Gerard Butler from Hunter Killer. We've got Kristen Wiig from Bridesmaids. All these really big superstars doing the voices. I always found it kind of funny, even right back to the first one, they did this thing where they went out of their way to cast pretty much any notable Scottish actor like Gerard Butler and Craig Ferguson as all the villagers, and then all their kids are just American. (laughs) Mm. It was just weird to be like, we're being authentic-ish, kind of, and yeah. then we'll just forget it. Cause well, th- well, that's what's happened to culture, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> mm, political. <laughs> Who should see this film? Is this just for the kids or for those who've grown up with it? Well, for the 20 and 30-somethings like myself who've enjoyed the series, I think also be prepared to get a bit emotional because mm. we're going to find out why there's no dragons in the modern world and because it's the end of the whole series. It's a bit of a climactic ending to the story so yeah and this series in general is a bit of a heartstring kind of tugger isn't it even yeah. the first one i know a lot of people came out crying maybe it's the new lion king it's the, where it's yeah. like kids love it but it'll make you cry i reckon the lion king is the new the lion king that's true <laughs> what are they gonna do with five bedrooms you guys are obviously never having kids what was that look i did not do a look you're doing a look right now there's no look have a good fight guys there's so many kids in foster care. I found this adoption agency and they're having no, a no, 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 don't, 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 don't show me that. You're trying to break my heart. I just got home from work. Mark Wahlberg is either in full action or full comedy mode. And in this new family comedy, Instant Family, he's opposite Aussie darling Rose Byrne. This is about Mark Wahlberg and Rose Byrne decide that they want to adopt a child. And when they find one they really like, they it, she comes with a brother and a sister. All of a sudden they've got an instant family. There's a few things I want to kind of get out of the way first to kind of show you where I'm at. So we talked last week about broad American comedy like Holmes and Watson. I said it's not particularly like my favorite style of movie. Mm. And then the guy that directed this, Sean Anders, he directed both the Daddy's Homes movies, which I, I didn't love. To which be which one were they? Uh, the Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg, rivaling dads. I didn't love them, to be honest. So you might be surprised when I tell you I love this film. Really? I really like it. In fact, it might be my favourite of these New Year movies that is being released. I thought this movie had so much heart. It genuinely made me laugh and I really liked it. Yeah, I was a bit sceptical because... I'm very sceptical. Yeah, Cambo saw it before me and I was like, look, Mark Wahlberg comedy, I know that type, like Ted and all that. Mm. It's all fart jokes, very American. And I was like, "Mm, yeah, I'll reserve my judgment (laughs) until I see it. Mm. Also, nothing funnier than a fart. Just (laughs) point that out. Fact, true fact. (laughs) Well, maybe you like it better than I do. (laughs) So none of that in this film. It's got a very heartwarming plot line with the story of the kids and adoption. It's based on the director-writer's own experiences with adoption. So it's based on his life and what he went through. He adopted three kids, so it gives it that reality to it. So story first, comedy second? Kind of. I put this, it's a kind of a genre that exists that I call ha ha oh, which means it, it, it'll make you laugh and you go, ha ha. And the ha. best ha ha oh Oscar goes to. But there's definitely those kind of films, right? They're, they're so sentimental and they're yeah. so sweet, but they are still first and foremost a comedy. And this first and foremost is still a comedy, but it'll make you ha ha oh. <laughs> What's going on? Please give this to me. Lizzie! Lizzie! You're not allowed to take my phone. What are you doing? She's taking naked selfies? Of herself? What are you doing with my phone? I'm deleting everything. 
everything here. Delete, delete, delete. How many photos did you take? What is wrong with you? Everyone does it. It's no big deal. It's a big, huge, giant deal. 15-year-old girls should never be naked, ever. Can you touch the door? Is that a text? Don't you read my text? Open the door. If you don't show me something soon, I might lose interest. Don't you read my text? What? Who is this person, Open Lizzie? The door. Oh no, 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 no. Dick pic, dick pic. There's a dick pic! What makes good comedy, I think, is when comedy has something to say. And the Daddy's Home movies, for as much as a kid getting hit with a basketball is funny. <laughs> Nothing th- to say, you reckon? There's not a whole heap to say, but this being based on Sean Anders' actual life and his experiences with having an instant family, I think the fact that he actually has a personal something to say, being like, this is what it's like, this is what I went through. Because this has the kid getting hit with a basketball kind of gag in it as well. But it has just that one tier above, that level of heart, that level of actual emotion and character development behind it that actually makes the jokes work. Yeah, it's got more of an intelligent narrative. The characters are more relatable and realistic, so it's grounded in reality that you can enjoy it for the plot as well. I think out-and-out comedies will do anything for a joke. They'll betray the characters, mm-hmm. they'll yeah. betray the plot just to get the laugh. Yeah. And it's disposable like that. And when you watch that on television, that works, I think, really well because it is disposable. You're at home, you turn it on, you turn it off. When you go to a cinema, I think you do expect to walk away with something a little bit more. And that's, I think, why the the film comedies that are anchored in reality, in truth, in real life, mm-hmm. in emotion and experience work so much better. So who should see this film? Even if you think, like I did originally, it doesn't look that great. I remember, Karen, you said that it looked a bit iffy. Yeah, I have converted told, me today. I've told a yeah. few people to go see this film. You included, Vari. And not one well, of them has... You had to, contractually. <laughs> not, not, not one of them has come back not loving this film. Everyone seems to really love it. Yeah, if you just want a feel-good comedy, it's pretty wholesome. Also in cinemas this week, and get ready for this, it is a long list. Maybe we need some sort of backing music. Ralph Breaks the Internet. Yes, the sequel to Wreck-It Ralph. Mary Poppins Returns. The sequel to Mary Poppins. <laughs> Vice. The not sequel, but the true story about Dick Cheney and his rise to power. The favourite. A very absurdist comedy about Queen Anne. Aquaman. The newest in the DC Comics pantheon of films. And Holmes and Watson. A comedy about Sherlock Holmes. You can hear about all of those by clicking on the previous episode in whatever podcast app you're in right now, so long as you have the time. Grandpa? Tell me about growing up on the beach. It was called Ninety Mile Beach. I was cut off from the world. Then one day the world came to me. Let's turn our attention to an Australian film for the family. Storm Boy is an Aussie classic. The novel I remember reading again and again and again. And then I saw the movie from 1976, which in the 1990s was a little dated. So now it's well and truly off. So it's about time for a remake. And I can only hope that this version of Storm Boy doesn't disappoint my childhood memories. Yeah, I also loved the original film. And being from South Australia and it's set there, I feel that sort of kinship to it. <laughs> it's a bit of a sequel and also a retelling of Colin Tealy's book. So Jeffrey Rush plays Michael Kingley, who's recounting his childhood to his granddaughter about how he had this extraordinary relationship with this rescued pelican, Mr Percival, and how he became known as Storm Boy. You know how I had that weird childhood where I didn't really know Pokemon or Harry Potter or anything like that? It's slowly been revealed over the episodes. (laughs) (laughs) So I had never read uh, Stormby, which I know a lot of people were in school and I'd never seen the original movie. So I went into this completely fresh, being like, what is this, about a pelican or something? (laughs) It's really heartfelt. (laughs) Yes, it is about a pelican or something. I walked out being like, 
I get why this is seen as kind of a classic, but it was it was really great. If I had to pick, I quite like the flashback section with Jack Courtney as the father. Jack Courtney, quite a big Hollywood mm. actor, seems to be in every franchise. Suicide uh, Squad. Suicide Squad is in the Terminator franchise as well. Kiwi? Australian. 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 Australian, yeah. Him as the father and Finn Little as his son. I, I really, really loved uh, that section of the movie. I found the modern day section maybe a little cheesy, but then again, it's going for a child audience. <laughs> There's only so much nuance you really want to put in it. <laughs> yeah, I like that it is part sequel in that it updates the story for modern audiences, but the more magical part of the story is the flashbacks and that retains the nostalgia for audiences who know the movie. It's a real Godfather part two, isn't it? Sequel and prequel oh. at the same time. Put that on the list. <laughs> it worked. You keep feeding them. I grow up to be big and strong. It's amazing. He's a good boy. You're a lucky man. They say don't work with children and animals. Is this full of both? Yeah, it's done both. <laughs> yeah. They they were not listening that day in film school. <laughs> <laughs> I am amazed at how. And I know this is a really simple thing to be amazed at when you talk about Stormboy, but how well they managed to train all of these pelicans. And the main one obviously being Mr. Percival, but there are more than just Mr. Percival in the film. Mm. But it's 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 amazing that they managed to train these animals to perform so perfectly on film every time. It always just blows my mind, but also it's adorable. Yeah. Watching Michael take the pelicans into town to buy supplies and whatnot, it's just so heartwarming. It even reminded me a little bit, there was a movie a couple of years ago called Oddball with Shane Jacobson. Yeah. Uh, similar kind of thing. Well, I know that this is obviously based on more of a, a you know, classic Australian literature, but it's just got that kind of cute animal interacting with society thing that I just find kind of charming. Are we teaching kids that it's okay not to be scared of pelicans? <laughs> because I feel like that's not okay. Yeah. Because you should be scared of pelicans. Are you going to be down the front being like, this is all good and whatever, but do be beware. My brother was attacked by a pelican. <laughs> Have you seen that footage of the pelican eating a pigeon? What? Yeah, there's a video floating <laughs> around online where a pelican is like, there's a flying fish. I'll have it. So oh, you, no. you watch Stormboy with a level of suspicion. Yeah, it's a horror. It's <laughs> a this horror is more thing. of an ecological aspect to it where there's hunters trying to go after these innocent little pelicans. Maybe we should have moved this into the adult section of the podcast. It <laughs> sounds like it's about a bit of an ominous threat. <laughs> so what I really liked was the relationship between Michael and Finger Bowden Bill, who's played by Trevor Jameson, an Indigenous actor. He was in Rabbit Proof Fence. And he's a really sweet character in there yeah. as well. And the relationship between these two, trying to figure out how to take care of the pelicans and when they're babies. There's a kind of a default role that sometimes Indigenous Australians have been cast in, which is like a wise old guide. And I think they smartly kind of navigate that and they just make him a very wholesome old man. Yeah. So who should see this film? It's quite a short film, so it'd be perfect for kids. Anyone who loved the original, it does justice to this classic. It's got that Aussie film feel like Farlap and Man from Snowy River. Mm. And I think if your kids are a little younger, I'd maybe go train your dragon. If they're a little older and they want something with a little more you know, plot and character, then I think this is a really good option for those slightly older kids. For your chance to win a Village Cinema's Gold Class Double Pass, we want you to head to Facebook or Instagram and leave a comment on the Cinema Group post answering the question... It's, 20, uh, it's 2019. We want to know what film this year are you most excited for? Mine's Avengers Endgame. Laurie? What movies are coming out? Well, keep listening to this podcast. <laughs> What's leave my hash- job? <laughs> leave the hashtag The Cinema Crew and you can win. Not next week. We're taking a little time off, but next time... Green Book is a true and personal story of American race relations in the 1950s. Hugh Jackman runs for president in The Front Runner. 
and The Mule is Clint Eastwood's new film. Until then, thanks, Cambo. Thank you. Thanks, Vari. Thanks. I'm Kyron Wheatley, and we'll see you at the very least. You'll hear us next week on The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas.